The Natural Hat Trick with Luke Lipinski, Craig Morgan, and Jamie Eisner. Welcome into episode 217 of the Natural Hat Trick Podcast alongside Craig Morgan. And Natty Hattie. And Jamie Eisner. Happy to bleeping sign here with the Natty Hattie Podcast. (laughs) I'm Luke Lipinski. Where do we start, guys? Training camp begins for the Arizona Coyotes in two days. Two. Two days. Two days. Two days. And so, some of the RFAs are finally signing. A couple. A couple. Not all of them, by no, any means. No, not, not by any stretch. No sense of urgency in Toronto or Winnipeg, apparently. But, Zach Wierenski signs with uh, Columbus, so John Tortorella doesn't have to be disgusted by him, as he said he would be last week if he didn't show up to camp. It's a very Paul Harvey delivery of you. Zach Wierenski signs a three-year deal. Never listened to Paul Harvey. Okay. Yeah, you know. Sorry. Sorry. That's all right. <laughs> I, I can just, speed it up if you want. Just another one of my references for our older audience. Mm, okay. Um, since we're here, I should point out everybody should rate and review the show. I think this is the earliest I've ever remembered to do it, less than a minute in. Actually, maybe I hesitate. See how the show goes before you decide. No, 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 don't actually. Blindly give us five stars now. Stop right now. Rate and review. Pause and the show. Start the show back over. It's like the awesome rating on The Athletic. Just click it. Go just ahead. click awesome. Click that face. Just awesome. don't even think. <laughs> click that My face. My wife says that to me. I just clicked awesome on your mediocre story. <laughs> 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 oh, she's so supportive. Yep. Uh, okay, so Wierenski signs with Columbus and Pavel Zaka signs with New Jersey. Interestingly enough, all of them signing and leaving one RFA year on the table at the end of their deal. Yeah, that is kind of... I'm a little surprised by that. It's a little different than, than what I would have anticipated. Um, are we at a point where this is going to start hitting the bigger dominoes? I mean, Wierenski is a bigger domino, but he's a defenseman, so it doesn't really set the market for Marner or Line A or... Rontanen or Kachuk or Besser or any of these guys that are out there. Only Provorov and McAvoy. Yeah. Yeah, so I would assume those guys get signed pretty quick now, right? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's, looking- this is, it's all new. This is all new. We've talked about this for the last five weeks. The market's all new. Things are shifting. It's hard I, to say what's going to happen. I'm interested to see what the sense of urgency is because if you're a team like Toronto or Tampa— Yes, there's some urgency in the fact that you're a cup contender and that you're in a strong division and the Bruins don't really have anybody aside from Charlie McAvoy that they're looking at that, at that spot. But you also don't want to fall behind and have a worse playoff position. We've talked about this before. The difference between winning that division and finishing number two may very well be the difference between getting to the cup or not because you only have to play one premier team instead of two premier teams. Yeah. But if you're Tampa, you can play... 20 games without Braden Point, and it's really not going to affect your cup chances that much. So do we see teams like that have the sense of urgency, or do they say, you know what, we're a good enough team that we can wait, we're not giving up our leverage. I'm interested to see that, because I could see an argument either way here. Sure, and and if a team gets off to a hot start, you have all the more leverage, because the player knows come December, i got to sign or I'm not playing all season long, so... It, it sort of shifts there. On, on the flip side, if a team struggles out of the gate and suddenly you realize, we really miss this guy, well, it's, and the shoe's on the other foot. It's oh, Wow, look at that, the old switcheroo. It's the only great point Jamie's ever really made, because if you look <laughs> at this division, I mean, normally it would just be like, yeah, Braden Point, you can sit out for a while, that's fine. If anything, that just is 20 less games where you might get hurt and we'll have you for the playoffs. But in this specific division, which we're going to preview today, by the way, it's it's a big deal to get first place. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, you want to play a wild card team in the first round, or do you want to play Toronto in the first round, or Tampa in the first? I mean, one of those two is going to play maybe each other if Boston goes off, or Boston probably in the first round. And actually, I, I didn't realize Brandon Carlo is also on that list for Boston. Yeah. So you got five guys at the top of that division: McAvoy, Carlo, Point, Marner. Um, you know, you've got there was the four guys, whatever that have numbers ma- are hard. Those are major. Uh, I'm, I'm I don't do math goodly. I'm I'm a words guy. No, uh, but those are four major players for three cup contenders that are all going to be fighting, and one of those teams is going to have to play on the road to start the postseason. Yeah, that's interesting to me. Or oh, then the team like Winnipeg, where 
They need every freaking point they could possibly get because that team has a chance of bottoming out, and they have two awesome players that are goal scorers that are just sitting there right now. And they lost their blue line. I mean, yes. they, they, their blue line was decimated, and now you've got these two players sitting on the shelf. Yeah, this could be really damaging for the Jets. Here's a question for you, and I, I mean, I, I know what the knee jerk reaction is. Patrick Line is going to get more money than Kyle Connor, correct? Yeah. Which, which one's more valuable to the Jets? I mean, Connor had more goals, more assists, more points, obviously, and does more defensively than Line last yeah. year. What does Line do? He shoots, he scores. That's it. If he's not shooting and scoring on a team, plus minus is so antiquated, but when you're minus 24 on a, on a really good team, that says something. Look, putting the puck in the net is extremely valuable in this league, but... Yeah, he's. He, I think he's a one-dimensional player, and a lot of NHL players agree. If you saw the poll last season of most overrated players, Patrick Laine was on that list. Yeah, I mean, 30 goals last year, which is fine if you do other things. And, it, and look, it's fine even if that's all you do, but it doesn't... You're not elite if you're only a goal scorer and I'm you sure score thirty interests. Do you think he does? Yeah, probably. Well, okay. I guess we should have delved deeper before I started making <laughs> points then. But I think in general, if you're only scoring thirty goals and that's all you do on the ice, that's uh what thirty goals last year was good for about fortieth in the NHL. Yeah, it's not what it used to be. No. It's still good, but not for what you expect from Patrick Lyon. He needs to be forty plus goals or else he's not provide. he starts to that's diminishing returns. He doesn't do anything else. And Kyle Connor had thirty four goals. So, I mean, but he does other stuff. I like Kyle Connor a lot. He was one of those players, and I don't remember exactly what draft it was, but you just you read up on all the stuff and you watch some of the video going into the draft, and you're like, how did Winnipeg just get Kyle Connor where they got him? <laughs> you know, and not maybe you don't know he's going to be this good, but if you he, had he to guess to be good. what draft, Luke, of all the drafts, guess which draft it was? 2015? Yes, it was. No. <laughs> What's our over under for Hall of Famers from that draft? Four and a half? I, will, I forgot what it was. We have to go look. I will firmly take the over on four and a half Hall of Famers from that draft. I think I could push it up to maybe, well, I don't know. You start going six from one draft, that's a lot. But there's a lot of guys. Rontanen and, and McDavid, I think for sure, will be Hall of Famers. Is that the best draft since 2003? Yes. Yeah, I don't okay. think it's close. So which is worse? Mike Barnett trading entirely out of the first two rounds of the Bad. 2003 draft or the Coyotes somehow not managing to get a star out of the 2015 draft. I, I think the... With two picks. At, and traded for a third. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mike I, Merkley. I still think it's the not having any picks third. in the 2003 yeah, draft. Yeah, Merkley was Also, imagine being the Bruins and having three straight picks and then the two picks after you are Matthew Barzal. Or the three picks after you were Matthew Barzal, Kyle Connor, and Thomas Shabbat. Oops. Yeah. But they did get Jake DeBrusque in one of those three picks. So, again, just some names from that draft. Connor McDavid, Jack Eichel, Mitch Marner, Provorov, Wierenski, Hannafin, Rontanen, Timu Meyer, Zaka, DeBrusque, Barzal. Isn't Besser in this draft, too? Besser's 23rd overall. Connor, yeah. Shabbat. Are you, are you heading into the second round now? Konechny? No, I'm still in the top 24 right now. <laughs> and I'm going to stop there because it's depressing. I, I do, though, to answer Sebastian Ajo, Ajo in the second, in the round. second round. Brandon mm-hmm. Carlo in the second mm-hmm. round. But to answer your original question, I still think it's not having any picks in the 2003 draft because that was a really good draft. And you just didn't even, you weren't even relevant in it. You weren't even present for it. Did they even show up to that draft? Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's move on to... Pavel Zaka? Yeah. Go ahead, Jamie. Ray Shiro Guess the threat worked. <laughs> Sounded like it. Guess yeah. it bleeping worked. Look, the two the two players that have signed, one said his coach one's coach said he'd be disgusted with them, and Ray Shiro said a bunch of stuff I can't say on this podcast. I don't give a expletive if he signs with a KHL or if he signs with expletive Brampton. I don't give a expletive where we hold his rights. And then the next day he was signed. <laughs> yeah, two days later. <laughs> yeah. Also interesting that Brampton and the KHL are the two extremes yeah. in Ray Shiro's mind. I mean, it's fine. It makes sense. Imagine if I had a choice between like Russia, Brampton, and Newark. Ooh. Yeah. I'd probably mm. go Brampton. <laughs> if I, if Depends I, where you're in Russia. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, Not necessarily for me. No? You'd go Russia, Newark? You're big Brampton. No. <laughs> big Brampton guy? Over Russia, yeah. Uh, Alex Ovechkin is okay. going to play. He's going yeah, to be okay. Yeah, that scared everybody. 
Washington to me is like the forgotten team in the NHL right now. They're because, forgotten. They're just not worthy of being talked about. Yeah, but I mean, we we talked about them last week, and they're just not. They're just they're there. We barely even talked about them last week. For as much as I say we don't talk about the Penguins, we almost never talk about Washington because they're just they're going to win the division. Yeah, they're going to they're going to win the division, and then they're going to lose in the conference final. Like we already know this. Maybe We're the done. second round. It could, it could. It's possible. That's Somebody usually where they lose. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah but they can't face they can't face the Penguins in the second round. So seems unlikely. At this well, point. I mean, I guess they could theoretically if they're really bad and they're in a wild card spot mm. or something weird. And the Penguins also miss the playoffs and or make the playoffs. Yeah, it's not happening. Uh, Jamie just made a confusing situation so much more confusing than I ever thought. Yeah, I, I should have stopped right when you said Penguins in the second round, and I should have been like, oh yeah, no, never mind. I didn't. You did. I would never say such things. Can we talk about this Coyotes video? Yeah, that one. That duck First looks of all, a they, lot. They have a service dog, which is really cool. It is really cool. But Luna. I like then, the name. Then can can you uh, account for the whereabouts of all your ducks, Luke? Um, I don't see. There are any no of your ducks, ducks in the studio. I need to get my way. ducks in a row. Is that what you're saying? Yes, we really do. We uh, make that pun every week, aren't we? I, we are now starting okay. for the entire season. Where are your ducks, Luke? I don't see any ducks. I left the, the ducks at home today. Okay. Air conditioned mm-hmm. environments. Can, can we call someone to confirm this? Uh, Did you leave all the ducks at home, you or are you missing Jackie. one? No. Well, see, that's the thing. I haven't I haven't checked in on them recently. And that one, that, that one at the end of the Coyotes video looks identical to the big one that I brought in last week. What do we name that one? Do we name it Brandon Tanev? Or no, we hadn't named that else? one yet. The little, yeah. the little uh, brother of that one is, is Brandon. The little, yeah. the little one. Mm. The little mallard. That was a big mallard. It was a big mallard. In flight. Yeah. I'm not um, totally... No longer, of course. No, not. It's flightless. It's a flightless mallard, much like the Anaheim Ducks. Mm. Um, I don't know why there was a duck in the end of that video, but it made me smile. Apparently, this is a trend that's catching on for some reason. Maybe we, you smile we, in a cruel kind of way, knowing your duck was being abused by yeah. a dog. No, I have to freak. Duck. My duck is fine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but our, our trend of setting the agenda for the NHL continues. It really we have brought mean, ducks back to prominence. Maybe not in, the one Anaheim. Instead of uh, instead of talking about how there's going to be a lockout next year, we should start talking about how they're going to get that deal done and there's not going to be a lockout next year because it really does seem like we set the tone for the league it's one thing to say hey this guy might sign and then he signs two minutes after the show it's another thing to have a stuffed duck and now an nhl team has a stuffed duck mm-hmm. training camp i don't know where to go with that you yeah there's okay. no no easy transition there no there's a, a fantastic transition training camp is like i said thursday for the coyotes the first preseason game in the nhl is this sunday Hooey, here we go coyotes nights here we go. I believe that's the only game on Sunday across the league, but uh, it's here. Less than a week. And in case you don't remember this every year, training camp in the NHL before the first preseason game is like five hours. And then there's it's like, hey, training camp's opening and we have a preseason game tonight. Yeah. That's pretty much it. <laughs> it is weird how they do that. I, I agree. There there should be like a at least a week of practice before yeah. they play games, shouldn't there? Yeah. A bit of a lead up. I feel like they could they could take away a couple games if that's the issue. Yeah, I don't really right? want to watch preseason games. I get nothing out of them. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Except for, you know, there's going to be some experimentation this year. I'll, I'll, I'll admit that. I mean, depend on the lineups, right? Yeah. You're not going to get all the guys that you want to see in the lineup, so there'll be a glimpse of something that might be interesting, like what they do on the power play, but... And who is this season's Justin Hodgman? Well, I need to know the the player yes. that has a good pre, like two good preseason games in a row that has to make the roster no matter what. Yeah. Every team in every sport has that though. These camp heroes that people get locked onto and think, "Oh my god, this kid's incredible." Yeah. Like, the Cardinals had that every year when I was covering them. Who did they have? Uh, Cap Cappy, not Cap. Cap- Caco. Well, well, yeah, Cap Cappy, who is the preseason Hall of Famer. Who was the yeah. receiver? Stephen Williams, who Fit said there's a number one receiver right there. Might Steve- have been. They had, a, they had a guy named something Bird too, not the one that's currently on the oh, roster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chad With the long hair. Yeah, Chad Williams for and, a while. Uh, well, Lance. Who? Well, this is good. We've we've completed so none or, of the names. Or everybody on Hard Knocks. Yeah. But that but that tells you that should say something right there. We can't even remember the names now. Yeah. And at the time, people thought they were going to be household names. It happens every once in a while. Victor Cruz was like one of the only ones in recent memory. In I remember football, yeah. nobody knew who he was, and then had an awesome preseason. And actually, became something. Yeah. Um, who are there any coyotes you can remember in the last let's say 10 years that you didn't expect much from they showed up at camp and all of a sudden made a career maybe Schlemko? well i mean uh, it's not because if it was with a young guy there might have there been surprises you know, in camp that yeah. the guys that made the team that maybe people weren't on it, everyone's radar like but, but, toby reader or yeah. jordan martinuk one year mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah okay that's that's what i'm looking for a guy that that not only made the team and surprised people but also stuck around not made the team for three weeks and then was way in over his head so anyway, training camp starts in just a couple days. How's that? I like this new system where I recap everything after I already say it. How about you guys? 
No. Um, in Craig's notes, you just have the words mind-numbing tippet analysis. Do you want to explain? Well, he has this quote talking about, uh, you know, because he, he said that they will be committed to, to defending better and cutting down their goals against. And his quote was, there will be nothing that takes away from creativity or letting players do their thing, but there's going to be an extra onus on playing well on our own end. And, of course, the typical critics hear that and say, oh, he's going to play a boring style. They're not going to be able to score. He doesn't know how to coach offensive players. Should I keep going with this? You know all the cliches at this yeah, point. We've, uh, we've hit bingo. Yeah. I mean, if you are an Edmonton fan, I understand that this language is something completely new to you and you've never heard about the concept of team defense. But you should be welcoming this because that's why you hired Dave Tippett as your coach. And I'm pretty sure Connor McDavid will still score goals, even if Tippett tells him he can't play with skates on. So I don't think you really need to worry about <laughs> Yeah. The offense you're already getting. I, I mean, so you wanted a new coach to come in and do exactly what they've been doing all you the years. Stifle their creativity. Nothing. Connor McDavid won't be as creative. Maybe they'll win more. Yeah, what create your creativity? Your creativity right is now, you're sitting at home in April. It's that's what your creativity is done. You're acting like you are stifling the creativity of like a, a Picasso, and it's just your two year old drawing on the wall with markers. That's what the Oilers are. They're a two year old drawing on the wall with markers. Can you get this team to the playoffs? Yeah. I think he can. He could. He will. At some the West point, is tough. In, in the next two years, one of those two years, Edmonton will make the playoffs. Mm. The combination of him, Dreisaitl, and McDavid's enough. Hopefully not this year. That's all they have, though. But. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Just to be clear, I don't think they're adding anybody. Um, and they don't deserve it. Because they've had so much... The, the pushback when they hired him and people legitimately saying they'd rather have a guy like Craig McTavish, you, don't, you should lose your team for a year. <laughs> Who was saying they should? Hire Craig McTavish. People oh, on Twitter. Right. Yeah, well, a lot of Edmonton media, too. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Old you school should, Edmonton media. You would think you'd be getting paid to cover the sport. You would watch the sport occasionally. You'd think. Watch the game? Is that you're in that crowd? Watch the game? Yeah, and also, I mean, if you're watching Edmonton, maybe watch a second game of, like, other teams to sort of have a better baseline because your team's below it. <laughs> like a chaser? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just watched Edmonton. and I need to watch like, to make Tampa. Them, to make things go down easier. <laughs> I just, I just, uh... Even watch the team like in the other part of your province if you want, because at least Calgary is good. Uh, we want to start the Atlantic Division preview? Why not? Okay. We're going to begin with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And the very real question, does anything about the regular season matter? That's existential. I like it. Does anything really matter? Luke? I mean, yeah. If Do you want we to matter? I feel like the Penguins' two Stanley Cups in the last four years matter, but that's about it. No response, huh? Just sadness. Shameless. Does anything... You're calling me shameless? <laughs> Here's the issue. Like, it. No, it doesn't matter unless they miss the playoffs. They're not missing the Which playoffs. Which they're not. So, no, because, look, it, they, could, they could win 70 games this year, and everyone's still going to make the same jokes the second the playoffs start. They could win 50 yeah, you, games. you're going to be right at the front of the line making those oh, jokes. Oh, me? Not, like, you wouldn't. I'll be right You, you, made, you made it the whole theme of, like, the two shows ago. I'll because be they burned me twice. They, 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 could, they, could be, they could win 50 games and finish second in the division, and it's not going to matter. Like, that, that's the thing. We're not going to learn anything about this Tampa team unless they just completely go off the rails, which I don't expect to happen. We're not going to learn anything about this team in the regular season. The only thing we're going to learn about this team is what they do come April. This is a lot like those Capitals teams from a couple years back before they won the Cup. There's nothing we're going to learn about them in the regular season because there are no obstacles they're overcoming until we get to the playoff time. I agree. I do think the regular season matters, though, in the sense that we've already talked about. You don't want to be in second place in this division, if you can, second or third. You don't want to be in there because... Like Boston last year was tied for the second best record in hockey. They had one less win than Calgary, so they technically had the third best record in hockey. But you could make the argument that the two best teams in the regular season last year were in this division, and neither one of them were Toronto, who I think we all expect to be better this year, right? I mean, enough teams helped them out that they should be better this season. <laughs> yes. Which is, it's really like making charitable donations to a billionaire. That's pretty much what Ottawa and Carolina did when they helped Toronto out. Um so I think it matters. I think if you're Tampa, especially because when you get into the playoffs now, the second you struggle at all in the playoffs, especially if it's in the first round, you're going to hear that much more negativity and pressure. If but it's going to happen either way. Yeah, but if you're playing Toronto in the first round as opposed to playing Philadelphia in the first round, that's... I mean, you know, yes, it matters who they play, of course, but 
this team go 81 and one, it's not going to matter. People are going to make the jokes about them going into it. They're going to have just as much pressure yeah. in the first round. They'll have a much easier opponent, but that didn't seem to matter last year. It did. So, but we said on the show though, Columbus was not. That's not the team you wanted to play when you had the best record all year. Columbus putting everything in one basket for the, this past season. I mean, there's <laughs> there are easier number eight seeds they could have played. In the sure. Of the game. But do you expect there to be a much easier eight seed this year? I don't, yes, they're going to be easier than Boston or Toronto. They're going to be easier but, than Columbus was this past year. I do believe maybe. that. But I, they can't avoid the jokes heading into the playoffs. That's their own fault for getting swept in the first round this year. But they can avoid the extra pressure mounting when they're down 2 nothing in their opening round series to Boston as opposed to they're playing Philadelphia or Carolina or whatever, and they're probably not trailing. Yeah, I mean, look, they, they need to win the division like every team in that division needs to win the division. But for their specific goals, it doesn't matter what they do in these next 82 games. We agree most important division in hockey to win. A lot of good it did them last year. <laughs> Craig, just cutting to the core of my entire point and derailing it. No, I, I mean, we've made that point many times. Yeah, no. it's the toughest division, without a doubt, at least at the top. Um, Not so much at the bottom, which we'll get to eventually. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We do have to talk about those teams, don't we? Yeah, we, we do. I didn't We're legally obligated. A little bit. Wow. Uh, Patrick Maroon. Now that they have him pretty well locked into a Stanley Cup, right? How does this guy do it? How does he end up playing with some of the best centers in hockey? How, he, how does it happen? He's got to be. He's either really smart or his agent's really smart. Or both. Yeah. But, but why did the teams take him? I mean, I guess because he scores, but. He scored a big goal in the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One. That I remember, and that's yeah, about yeah, it. But okay. I mean, but, I mean, he's the quintessential example of if you play a player with uber talent around him, he will get exactly what you give him, nothing more. Yeah. But I mean, I guess that's what he is. That's all you can ask for. Do you think Milan Lucic sends him like parts of his check from Edmonton? <laughs> because clearly, on some level, they were looking and saying, "Look what Patrick Maroon did with Connor McDavid." So that must mean Lucic is going to do the same thing. Well, teams also haven't made the mistake of giving Patrick Maroon six-year deals. That's that's true. Uh, Kevin Shattenkirk. They add him. I, li- I like this move I just because there's no risk. It's a worthy risk. Is he a third-pair guy? I mean, do you play him in that situation? Do you give him maybe some power play minutes? I, yeah, I, I don't see any risk here, only upside. You're, Go ahead. Well, Sorry. you just you gave up nothing to get him. Yeah, including money. Yeah. He's, uh, I'm trying to look up how old he's at. I want to say he's like 30, so it's not like his career's over. Yeah, he's 30. He'll be 31 in January. He's uh, coming off a, a bad stretch in New York, which to me seems like a classic. He probably shouldn't have switched teams in the first place. But with St. Louis, for quite a few years, he was a, a pretty solid point producer up in the 40s and pretty solid defender, really, too. And it's not, it's not like that was eight years ago. That was... Three years ago. It feels like it, though. It, it feels like it was a century ago. Look, it was a low-risk signing. There's no reason why you can't try it out. Am I expecting a lot from him? No. But I don't know how much they're actually expecting. $1.75 million. That yeah. tells you how much they're expecting from him. Yeah, if he had gone to a team... Like, if if he had gone to Edmonton where they need him to be their number one defenseman... Eh, okay, I have some reservations. Although I do think that's a team that should have gone after him. But with Tampa, they... Just look at him and be like, look at the defense we already have. You, If you're terrible, we'll just we'll wave by. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> All right, so is this team winning the Cup? It's a tough question. on this wow. train like the last two seasons. And nice simultaneous I mean, sigh. They got close two seasons ago. The last year, not so much. I, I don't know anymore. I don't know what to think of this team. I don't get – I still don't understand what's wrong with this team. So – is there something wrong with them in the playoffs, or did they run into the wrong team at the wrong time and just have a bad week? I mean, last year is, yeah, one one example probably isn't enough to say that there's something wrong with them in the playoffs, because they've had relative playoff yeah. success in previous seasons. But to get swept off that season, it's, it's hard to explain. It's difficult because the core of this team has, a lot of those guys, have a Stanley Cup run with on their resume. But the last six postseason games were such a disaster that it's yeah. hard to get them out of my mind because it's not just the sweep. It's the way that they completely quit in the final two games with a 3-2 lead in the, in the Eastern Conference Final against Washington yeah. two years ago. So now you have this big sample size and you start to wonder, even if there's something not wrong, do they think there's something wrong? Well, and, and if they that, do, then And does that thought wrong. creep into your head again? Because even a 3 nothing lead in the first period of a game wasn't enough to get them through that last year in Game 1. That's, that's what's so crazy. And that, I think people forget that. They were, 
they started that series against Columbus the way everybody thought they were going to. I remember driving home that day and I was like, I, I won't watch the series because I do think Columbus can push them. And it was 3 nothing in the first period when I got home. And I was like, wow, okay, I guess I was wrong. And then to have the lead, and I would assume they let up a little bit in that game and then didn't know what to do. What's weird, okay, so here's the last five years for Tampa. Last year they melted down and got swept by Columbus. The year before, up 3-2 in the conference finals, but they like Jamie said, just disappeared because they thought it was a best of five. And that game seven was abysmal. And the thing is, that's one of their last six playoff games. That's why, because you go, the year before that, they missed the playoffs. The year before that, they were one weird bounce on a Brian Rust goal away from going to the Stanley Cup against Pittsburgh, game seven. And the year before that, they were in the Stanley Cup against Chicago. So three of the last five years, they've been in the conference finals or better. So it's hard to say they have a problem in the playoffs, but they might have just developed a problem in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't know how to read it. Again, if Columbus had done something beyond that first round, I might have said, okay, they did really run into a hot team, but Columbus lost in six games in the next round. So, true. And look, there's one thing to run into a hot team, but you have one of the most talented NHL rosters of the last decade. Yeah. Like, if we were ranking this roster, this is a top 10 roster of every team that we've probably seen in the last decade. Yeah. You can't afford to be upset like you've been in these last six games. You just can't. You, you are playing with such an advantage that, yes, teams run into hot goaltenders, but you should be able to overcome that. You have a pretty darn good goaltender yourself. Like yeah. I, I just... I, I'm, I'm hesitant to fall into the lazy narrative that, oh, they're going to get swept out of the first round again. And I know we're joking when we say that, but I have some concerns about why this team with this much talent can't seem to get it done in the biggest moments in the last couple of years. and. Yeah. Do they think that they can't get it done? Is this a team that if they lose game one, that just is never going to be able to mentally get back up in a series? I don't know. I do wonder about the psychological impact of it as well when they when they get there. If they have any kind of adversity in the first round, how does it affect them? Or even do, they, do they start becoming what the Capitals were for so long? Yeah. It's in your head just a little bit. You can't avoid that. You know you collapsed two years ago. You know you got swept last year. And if you're suddenly down again... Man, maybe you're thinking there's something wrong with us. Or there's something not. wrong with us. We don't have it inside. What if you find win, a way? What if you win the first two home games and lose your first two road games? Does that thought then cross back in your mind again? Of oh no, we had a two zero lead and now we're blown. Like I don't know what they have to do short of winning. Like on the cup run, this hypothetical cup run. What do they have to do to be like okay, we finally got that behind us? At least mentally. Like, can you do that without actually winning the cup? I think they. I think this year they have to get through the first round. I think most of their mental issues are going to be in the first round. They. Before before Pittsburgh switched to Mike Sullivan, they went on that stretch where they were the underachieving team. And the the most annoying characteristic with them is when they faced adversity in a series and lost. Basically, once they lost two games in a row in a series, that was it. They were never coming back. They just they had no resiliency for. I know they won the cup in two thousand nine, but that stretch from whatever like twenty twelve to twenty fifteen. Once they lost two in a row, they were done. And now two seasons in a row, we've seen that with Tampa. So if they, it's not inconceivable that Boston wins this division. Boston's, it's not like they were a complete fluke last year. If Tampa plays Toronto in the first round, that's, that's going to be an all-time, or it should be, at least on paper, an all-time great first-round series. All right, go to Toronto. Why not? Not physically go to Toronto. Uh, I want to start with this one that Craig put in the notes. How long is Mike Babcock's leash? That, to me, is a pretty intriguing question with this team. I don't think you'd fire him mid-season. I, I think Toronto's going to the Cup this year, so this may be a moot point. But if they don't... How far did they have to go in the playoffs? What if they get knocked out in the first round again, which is so possible in or this like, division? He's getting fired. Reasons we just... 100%. But they, if, 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 they, if they get knocked out in the first round, he's getting fired. I don't care what the scenario is. Yeah, I agree. And I guess maybe if Tavares and Matthews are both hurt and he's walking into the finals with Alex Kerfoot as his number one center, maybe... But nah, at that point, Ottawa will give him Brady Kachuk to, to help him out or something. But no, I mean, no, I, I think anything less than, I mean, I, obviously conference final, I think his, or beyond his job would be safe. But I think if he loses in the first round, he's gone. And I don't really think it's going to be that crazy of a decision. We're going to, he's going to be on the hot seat, air quotes, at some point this season, but they're too talented to actually be there. But if they don't win multiple playoff rounds, I, I would be, I would be surprised if they don't make that move, actually. Yeah, I think I'm with Jamie on this. Um, also, I think it's nice that you finally acknowledge John Tavares is in the league there in your little rant. Uh, <sighs> Toronto hasn't won a playoff series. There's been two lockouts since the last time they won a playoff series. That's wild. So That really is. Yeah. So for a whatever you feel, if it's the fan base or the media or the team or whatever, that, that 
talks like a team that is winning multiple cups or they act like they're the Yankees, they haven't even won a series. I know. I do I do get amused by when you when you hear, well, I guess Austin Matthews doesn't want to win if he's thinking about leaving here. Yeah. When's the last time you won? I, I anything. The the list of teams that have won a playoff series since the last time Toronto's won one, it's probably like everybody, honestly. <laughs> Ottawa has like multiple playoff series wins <laughs> since the last one for Toronto. That's I, now I kind of want to know. That would take forever to figure out. But how many teams have at least won a playoff series since two thousand four? I'm guessing it, it's probably. Do the Thrashers have one? No, they don't. They got oh, they got <laughs> yeah. swept out, right? They have no the wins or whatever. Teams, not got it. it no, but that'd be awesome. Right? If not I mean, existing like, teams had one. Who hasn't won a playoff series? I can't believe one. Think of one. Um, Columbus has now won one. That was always them. Um, it is tough wow. to think about. It, it may be because Detroit was still good the, then. Yeah, the last team in the league. To have won a playoff series. Florida? Buffalo? Buffalo, what? No, Buffalo had, a, I think, a decent team in that, like, mid. That's inconceivable to me. I know. Explain Florida? how this happened. Um, I feel like maybe. that was that's the post Luongo. Didn't Florida win at least one series? Yeah, I think they did. I think actually. they did. Yeah, I don't know. This, I mean, if. I have to look that's a really up. good piece of research. I, I think, think we should just assign it to a listener. Yeah, yeah somebody look this up for us. Please. Honestly, I'm going to look it up after the show because I want to know now. Because <laughs> you can start to eliminate a bunch of these teams right off. But you don't even have to look it up. So, yeah, if they if they don't make it to the second round again, I don't know how you bring Babcock back. Especially because two teams have won multiple playoff series that didn't exist the last time <laughs> Toronto won a playoff series. In Winnipeg and Vegas. Yeah, it took Vegas <laughs> one playoff series to win more playoff series than Toronto's won since 2004. Okay, um, yeah, Florida... Florida hasn't. Florida hasn't. No, because okay. I, I, I mean they've been in the. Uh, no, no, my bad. Conference quarterfinals. Uh, no, they lost in. Yeah, yeah, they lost in the first round. In first round lost losses. In the first round. Yeah, yeah, they have not won a playoff series since, since they went to the cup, right? Yeah, since '96. So Toronto's basically the Florida of hockey. Is that what you're saying? Because that's basically yeah, well, that's in the what division. '96 yeah. for the Florida Panthers. So Babcock's got to win a series. Stay tuned to the Natty Hattie. Because Florida's going to win a playoff series this year with Joel Quenville. So. I, I, I wouldn't be shocked by that at all. Uh, Mitch Marner, is he going to sign anytime soon? And how does this impact? Shrug emoji. Them? I don't know. Although they're starting to turn on him a little <laughs> just bit. Just going to just <laughs> run right through that and the, say shrug emoji. Yeah. Think we're not going to make fun of you. <laughs> they're starting to turn on him a little <laughs> bit in Toronto. <laughs> I'm like my fingers being held out. Like I'm like, like I'm kinds of visuals people need to see. Right. I know now. we need to we need to record this. Uh, they're starting to turn on him a little this. bit in Toronto. I'm just, see I'm seeing some negative Mitch Marner articles and uh, TV segments. Those are probably like... Including one today out of Sportsnet. I think Chris Johnson uh, said something about uh, that he doesn't have the, the negotiating leverage that he thinks he does. Well, it's not something you heard six months ago when they had true. to give him a 20-year, 20, 20000000 million AAV contract. Yeah. Now you're not, now you're not hearing that anymore. Because so. now the preseason starts in five days. Mm-hmm. To, the three teams that we've talked about in this division that we're previewing today, all of their RFAs, I, I feel like all of the RFAs in this division are in a situation where... Their teams can have success without him and reduce their leverage. Because yeah. I still think Toronto's going to win without Mitch Marner. I still think Tampa Bay's going to win without Braden Point. And I think Boston's going to win. It's a little tougher when oh, you're, have two when you're missing two defensemen. But but let's go McAvoy, Marner, and Point. Which one is the most important relative to his team? <sighs> wow. It's probably, That's a good question. I know. That's a really good question. The visual reaction of I both think of you guys. I think it's McAvoy. I do too, yeah, actually, too. because of the the position. Yeah, and because and, Boston's I mean, Tampa, not as good. Braden points a center, but Tampa has a another really. They have center, another so. pretty decent center. Yeah. yeah, and here's the thing: I don't think like Toronto and, and Tampa can get by offensively short term. Yeah, Boston's blue line without Carlo and McAvoy is not good. The power play too, right? Yeah, with what he does for the power play, like those young guys are what hold that. Like, because look, Chara can still deserves to play, but Chara's not what he was even. No. Two years ago, no, you know Kevin Miller, whatever. Like they have a got they have guys that can get the job done when you have your young studs in the lineup. Missing those two guys is going to hurt Clifton. <laughs> so uh, the other two teams, uh, their scoring is not going to change dramatically if they were without them for a month of the season. Yeah, I think Boston Tampa could go without points. Boston, for a while. Like, you're talking about wins above replacement. They could yeah. lose a couple wins. If with a month or two based on those guys being out. So I think, but they're also, I think defensemen are going to be a little bit easier to sign. Toronto's um, got a lot of talent. They've improved their blue line. What what happens if they do get off to just a torrid start and Mitch Marner is sitting out? What, what do you do at that point if you're Marner's camp? You go to Zurich. Go to Zurich. You sign for probably less than you want because you are going to miss out on a Stanley Cup run if you don't. 
Well, you're going to sign before December. You're not sitting out the whole year. But the question is, is where, what is the compromise if you don't get that long-term deal? Can you get Toronto to compromise on a one-year deal and just try this again next year? Do you want a three-year deal? Oh, I doubt deal? it. I'm not signing a three-year deal where I still have an RFA year at the end if I'm Mitch Marner. Like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. So where is the middle? Do you do a four at a higher AAV? But then what is, what is your leverage at that point? So like I just there's no way you could get Toronto to go for a year, especially if he if he misses a month of this season and he's just like okay, sign me for the next five months plus playoffs, and then we'll do this again next year because there's no no I, I doubt that's going to happen. But like, but what is that compromise? Because that's, that's it, uh, because if you Mitch, I'm not signing an eight year deal at a number I don't like. No. So if if I have to take a number I don't like or not play this year, I have to do it on a shorter term. Maybe that shorter term is just half at four. Yeah. That, but, that way you're not. You know, I'm not taking not, eight. Yeah, and you're not you're not coming available. You're, you don't have a free agency year in the same year as Austin Matthews, which is something that Toronto's trying to avoid too, having both those guys yeah. have, having to deal with both those contracts. Yeah, but I mean, Austin Matthews going to, to Phoenix. Yeah, so yeah, it doesn't really matter if you sign. He's going to win a cup before he comes to Arizona. Do you think? Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. He's a chance. Way. I mean, he's going to win the cup. You understand why it would come? Yeah, here. If yeah. he doesn't win a cup. You, you would also understand, understand why it come here. Actually, Craig is, is if he wins five cups, wasn't that multiple yeah. cups? Two, three, four, even five. Yeah, you could understand that <laughs> because five. he's accomplished everything he wants. Now, if this becomes a train wreck, and you know, who could blame him for leaving at that point? So you basically laid out all scenarios leading to Arizona. Got I don't. It. I don't want Toronto to ever get good just because I want. I, I, I want to love be good. that stuff. I, love I don't listening want to, to it. Like, oh my god, <laughs> you, you should be in therapy right now. You sound insane. <laughs> what would you guess is going to be the the result for Marner? Do you think he's going to get the eight year deal, or do you think that he's going to have to settle for shorter term and just take something to get in this year? I think he's fine with a shorter term deal. I don't. I don't think his camp minds as long as he's getting good money for those. I would say four years. Well, it depends on what what good money is. Like, if he's getting the deal he wants, he can do eight years. I mean, that's the thing. I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know what they're offering. Well, I, I don't assume think... it's going to be around whatever the ten million or whatever they have LTIR space for. But yeah, I don't think Toronto's going to give him eight years. They have a hard cap. Like, I I don't know what or something. That's that's part of the deal with the hockey contracts versus NFL or baseball, where there isn't that much wiggle room. You no. know how much space Toronto has in the on the cap. You can only do so much funny money. Like you can't do the stuff the NFL does, where they can basically maneuver any contract they want to get under the cap, pretty yeah. much, with accelerating your bonuses and lowering cap hits, or what they did with Antonio Brown, where they give you an option that they're never going to use to lower your cap hit for one He's year. He's going to sign with the Canucks. Didn't you see that? <laughs> yeah. Or like MLB, where it doesn't really matter because they they, don't, they have a soft cap with the luxury tax. So uh, I, I don't know. Unless the money being offered to Mitch Marner is a lot lower than we anticipated is, I don't know where their wiggle room comes here. Like you know what this is what they have. Yeah, you would think the deal would have been done. He's not demanding a trade two months ago because it's not like a bunch of money's going to show up. Um, Even if they wanted to pay you more, they can't. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I know you could do a few things with performance bonuses and signing bonuses and how much you get up front versus how much your base salary is, but I don't think Toronto's not cash poor. I don't think that's that's what's holding no. up the deal. So, I, I mean, I don't know what you're negotiating at this point unless the number is either he has an unrealistic number in his head yes, or Toronto's offering less than we anticipate. Big picture, though, from where we were at the end of last season, it is pretty remarkable Toronto's not going to lose anybody, isn't it? Yeah, it's ridiculous. In fact, and they, they got better. added pieces. They got better. Yeah. Yeah, they got Tyson Berry. Yeah, because Colorado got worse. <laughs> Did you see that thing I sent you off Instagram? It was... I think? It, remind me. It broke all the... It broke the league into like six tiers, and the very top one was like oh, yeah. Stanley Cup uh, by favorites, the way, and I, Colorado was one of them. By the way, I'm I'm done with that that format. If you've ever seen this, where you have like the color coded left bar, where if like there's like six color, like red at the top is like major contenders or whatever. I'm sick of seeing that. Already. You're done with the format. I'm done with it. I don't wow. know. It's, it's called something. I'm done with it. I've seen it everywhere. It's overused. It's like one of those things on the internet where they're like, so and so was popular in 1956, and they look older now, 60 years later. It's that thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. You wouldn't believe what they look like now. People <laughs> are just look. I, I'm going to keep saying this about Colorado. I need people to look at the team and not the hype. Everyone has just decided that Colorado is a cup contender, and they actually haven't looked at the roster. I don't care about Colorado except now. I want them to win. I really, I just want them to go on a run. Just based on the the listener response, we're going to get to Jamie. This pains me. I love Nathan McKinnon. I, I know. You named one of your sons after him. Yes. I assume. My sons. I don't know. You have a lot of wives. I don't know how this works. Um, quickly to Boston. We talked about Charlie Boston. McAvoy. 
Patrice right. Bergeron. I mean, it still runs through him, right? Yeah. When does he slow down? When does this happen? Apparently never. It's going to happen, right? He's 34 now, I think? He might be a cyborg. Because you know how they do the, the biological... stuff he plays through. I, yeah, he is. The other thing, his body has taken a beating. He he has a lot of mileage on his body. When they do the biological age thing, and it's like, oh, I'm fifty. Look at all those rings. But I feel like, a, <laughs> but I feel like I'm thirty five. Patrice Bergeron is thirty four, and he must feel like he's a hundred eighty. But man, is he a good player? Oh, he's he is. such a good player. But he, he just plays such a like, like if, gritty game. If though, we were too. taking, if we were building a roster for one season, yeah. this season. How many players would you have to take before you got to Patrice Bergeron? Because I don't think it's that many. We had him on our all Natty Hattie team, right? Yeah. Did we not? Okay. I, I think, think it, he was on the bench. It's a single digit number of players, I think. For one season for this one year. Season. Yeah, because I don't think I would take a, starting goalie a team ahead of him. I don't know that there's any defenseman I'd take ahead of him because he's a center. So, yeah, you're down to the short like McDavid, Crosby, McKinnon, Matthews. Tavares Bergeron, somewhere in there. Bergeron yeah. to Tavares. Yeah, I mean, they're in, they're in that. That's that's the range. Yeah, and I think Kucherov maybe. He's also on a really good contract. His yes, for three more years. Six point eight. Patrice absurd. Bergeron, six point eight. What do we think of Boston? Because there was a really good team. I, I mean, they're, they're still a good they're, team. They're contenders still. Yeah. Yes, but again, that division can you can you run the gauntlet again? And and, and it didn't include Tampa last year, which no. I still think is an anomaly. I don't think that's going to repeat itself. So. The team that does finish second or third is going to have to go through two of the probably the five best teams in the NHL. Yeah, just to get out of the division. Maybe the two best. I mean, if you're Boston, you have to go through Tampa and Toronto. You may be going through the two best teams in the NHL. I think those are the three best teams in hockey. Oh, really? You think all three are in this division? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think who would be. There's nobody from the Metro. Maybe Vegas. Maybe um, that blue line scares. I like Vegas still, but that blue like line Vegas, scares me. I, yeah, I, blue line's not good. They've yeah. overcome not having a good blue line so far in their entire existence. But these being the three best, teams I think these are three best teams. Calgary, maybe. I like Calgary, but they're not in the class of this. Of these what about three. that goaltending? Uh, we'll see about that goaltending. They're not in the class of these three in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe depending on your point of view. Milan um, Lucic. Yeah, now that they've added that fear factor, they're basically unstoppable. Oh. And, the, and Boston just finds depth guys. Like, no team, I think, has just found guys they plug into their third and fourth. Uh, Pittsburgh in their cup runs a little bit. But Boston just finds these guys that they throw in their third and fourth line that just come out and perform for one or two years, and they move on. Do you remember when, great. when Don Sweeney first took over and everybody thought he was insane with some of the moves he was making? Like, when he first took over as the GM. And could you been Im- pretty good. Could you imagine if he nailed all three of those picks? Oh, should we go back to the 20th like, give, 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 give them the brush. <laughs> but could you draft. imagine if they just went the two guys afterward? Yeah. It was Barzal and who we started talking about the show. Yeah, this would point. be, uh, it would be, I'm looking it up right now. Hmm. Where did they, well, it wasn't was Barzal the very, and Shabbat? They were in, right in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, Barzal and Connor. Connor. Imagine, imagine adding Barzal and Connor. Yeah. So Barzal, Connor, DeBrusque, second line, and Krejci's your third line center with Charlie Coyle. And I mean, probably, probably wouldn't trade for Charlie Coyle in that scenario. But. Could you just imagine? He Krejci is another guy who doesn't. He's not Patrice Bergeron, but he, he just hangs around and contributes when healthy. Yeah, yeah. when, when healthy. healthy. Um, they they to me are like the definition of a well built hockey team, like a legitimate like on the ice hockey team, not a fantasy hockey team like Craig plays, but like real hockey. You know, um, but no, I mean you can look at maybe not Tampa because they have a blue. You can look at Toronto. Honestly, you can look at Toronto and say this team prior to this season at least was sort of built like a fantasy hockey team there's a bunch of guys that can score but how do they fit together Boston doesn't have the talent that Toronto has they've got talent but they put it all together better and you're right they consistently find those depth guys Charlie Coyle was amazing for them in the playoffs he was he was and I I wonder if that's a sign of what's to come not now that he got out of Minnesota he had nine goals in the playoffs he had nine goals 16 points in the playoffs for them he was a major contributor and if if Charlie Coyle can be that kind of guy for Boston. Yeah. That's quite an addition. Look, they they have the best first line in the Eastern Conference and maybe the best first line in hockey. It's them in Colorado. I know it hurts you to say that. It doesn't. I've been very clear about how I feel about Colorado. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But but that blue line. I mean, that's where they make their money. They have great goaltending and the depth on the blue line. Because there there are teams that have good blue lines and they stop after the third or fourth guy. Yeah. When they have everybody in the lineup where they are positioned... Is there is there a better second line second pairing second pairing third pairing third pairing matchup team than Boston? I don't think so. Mm. Like they, they go there's 60. teams that might be even. There's maybe like two teams that might be even with them, but you're right, not better. And then that goalie tandem of Rask and Halak. 
I mean, yeah. it's not that long ago Halak was winning playoff series by Is himself. Is that the best tandem in the East? Is there a better one? Yeah. That's the best, I would say. I think so. I mean, if you, it's the conversation we had a couple weeks ago. There's There are teams with a better goalie than Tuka Rask is the one, and then they have a second guy that's adequate. But I thought Tuka's thing's still underrated a little he bit. He is, especially in Boston. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the combination of those two is, is pretty um, overwhelming. All right, I apologize for what we're about to do to everybody now, but we have to talk about the Buffalo Sabres and some of the other um, lesser teams in this division. The relegation division. Okay. <laughs> so for Buffalo, I think we just go out to our Buffalo Sabres correspondent on the other side of the studio, Jamie Eisner. How do you feel about this fine team? Uh, not great. Thanks, Jamie. <laughs> we'll come back to, <laughs> back you to you in the middle of the season. Uh, why aren't they ever getting better with all the number two and number one picks they've had, and it feels like a top five pick every year, and they're still just kind of trash. They really are Edmonton East, aren't they? Too in terms of lottery luck, but they don't take the heat that Edmonton does. I don't. I don't get that. I don't get that. Why? I, it's not like Edmonton's a huge city. It's in Canada, fine, and they they had, they did have Gretzky at one point, but <laughs> but why doesn't Buffalo? Get more crap for it, just being so bad at this. Because they're constantly picking second while Th- Edmonton is constantly true. picking first. Yeah, if the roles were reversed, it would be talked about a lot more. Because missing on your second round pick when the team in front of you always misses, misses on their number one overall pick. Yeah. It's, but, but they haven't I, developed young talent very that, well. That's what it is. That, that's the issue. They haven't developed these guys. Whether it's poor drafting and poor development, they just haven't developed these Most of them. I mean, Sam Reithart's getting there. Jack Eichel, I mean... I'd take Jack Eichel. He's, he's a really good player. He's, he's not the guy that they took number one. He's, he's, not, not, he's not Connor McDavid. He's, he's not the going second be, best player in that draft right now. Either. No, but he's but nobody was taking anybody but Jack Eichel second. No, absolutely So, I mean, that would be yeah. revisionist history. But yeah, and he had 82 points last year. It's not like he didn't do anything. So Yeah, I mean, Ristolainen is f- fine. I thought he would be better. Like, like, I, feel like that's, I feel like that's our greatest insult. Yeah. He's fine. Like, he's not a bad player by any means. I just thought he would be a legitimate, like, bona fide top pairing guy and just hasn't been that maybe Darlene will be that's too soon to tell yeah but they just haven't developed a lot of their young guys like Gergensen's is on the barely on the team now Grigorenko is not even in the country and uh, one of the weeks one of the many weeks that Craig took vacation this summer Jamie oh, and I okay. we went through Buffalo's first pick in, in each like the last five or six or seven drafts and we don't need to do it again but basically what it was a lot of those guys were e- either decent picks are decent players now or were the player that any team would have taken in that spot. So I really think it is they either don't know how to put pieces around them to fill like the opposite of Boston. They can't find depth guys or they don't know how to develop these guys. They got a monster year from Jeff Skinner last year and did nothing with it. Yeah, I mean I I love the Skinner trade. I like the Marcus Johansson signing this year. The Skinner trade was last year, but I just don't think they have enough pieces around them. Yeah, that, like, I do question their especially their forward depth. I feel like this blue line could end up being pretty good, but I I don't like their forward depth at all. Uh, they need more from Casey Middlestat this year. I know they were expecting more last year in his rookie season. Yeah. They got almost nothing. Uh, the Ocposo signing looks like a disaster. I mean, that was a disaster of a season that you're now paying him six million dollars for what four more years? Four more years. Not great. They don't. I mean, they're when their bottom two lines are on the ice, they're going to get their doors blown off. Like it just, it's not. Uh, I, I don't know. They, they just don't have. Even that top line is is good, but not exceptional. Like they just can't. There's nowhere they're going to have a major advantage. Or even a significant advantage on most teams that they play at any position. Boy, I pride myself on knowing where pretty much every player in the NHL is. I don't even think I realized Jimmy Vesey was on Buffalo, it to be honest. Ma- yeah, it doesn't matter. I, mean, I understand it doesn't matter, but that's not the point. Uh, they have four players, uh, four forwards, I should say, signed past this year. So, And those players are Marcus Johansson, Kyle Oposo, Jeff Skinner, and Jack Eichel. So they can make Mixed some wholesome, wholesale changes beyond those four if they when want they to. When they move to Houston? <laughs> the Houston Sabres. Uh, anything else on Buffalo, or can we go to uh, apparent Stanley Cup contender Montreal? Oh, oh, let's go to the Canadians. Um, are we too low on the Canadians? No. I didn't realize people thought of them as Cup contenders until this week. They yeah. overachieved so much last year, and people are not factoring in any regression. Nonlinear progressions? Is that where we're going with, Speaking with Montreal? Speaking of regression, who's your top candidate on the Canadians for regression? I know who well, mine is. I would assume since you're asking, it's, it's Max, Max Domi. Yes, it is. Um yeah, I I mean, I I think Max is a good player. I do, too. Uh, he did have a monster year last year, though. It's not, again, we're not saying Max Dumbo's a bad player. We're just saying he's not the player that he, the numbers he put up last year. Yeah. And they didn't make the playoffs even with those numbers. Yeah, 28 so, goals, 72 points. I, I could see him flirting with 28 goals again, but 
I, I don't think he's a 70-point guy. I think he's made the conscious decision to shoot more, which, you know, that— Would have been nice to see in Arizona. <laughs> All right, I don't want to derail us too much here, but Max Domi versus Clayton Keller, who's the more productive player for the next three years, let's say. It's a really good comparison, actually, mm. because it speaks it's to very similar. their commitment, right? Yeah. And again, not their guy, so you get some of that, and it didn't mesh with talk for whatever reason. And there were other factors, of course. Family factors, let's call it that. Um, yeah, I'm not but, saying the Coyotes should have kept Domi. I mean, they ended up, I guess, now getting Kessel out of that trade. But I'm just, it's interesting how a, and this is any fan base, will look at a player when he's on their team, and then once he's traded away, I mean, I think... 99% of Coyotes fans would say, oh, Keller's definitely better than Domi. Domi's been more productive. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see. It's earlier in Keller's career. I think yes. they're actually pretty even. So Yeah, I think it's closer than people think. Um, anything else on Montreal before we move on to. Well, that's it. Just Max Domi. Luke's really no, anxious I mean, to get out of here. Look, I, I wouldn't say they're, they're not a cup contender, but they are still in contention for a wild card spot. I don't think this team's going to be bad by any means. They have some depth up front. They don't have elite talent up front anywhere, but they have some depth. I think Brendan Gallagher is underappreciated. Um, I think I like Philip Deneau. I wish he were still on the Blackhawks. I was ask he's probably a, a number two center. I don't think he should be a number one center. But they're yeah. I mean, they're and Kokaniemi could take a step forward. Yeah, and, and that would be big for them. I think at the, at the center position. Yeah, that would be huge for them if that happened. But uh, yeah, again, you look at this roster and nothing really wows you other than you know Carey Price's past. They're just a vi- they're a, they're a solid team. They're a very solid team, but they don't do anything exceptional. And I, I think that's what's going to keep them out or sneak them into a last wild card spot type of deal. The thing with, with them that you have to remember is maybe they overachieved last season. If that's the case, then they're in trouble. But they finished with more points than three Western Conference playoff teams, Dallas, Colorado, and Vegas. Yeah. So it's not like Montreal had really good seasons from Max Domi and a couple other guys and wasted them. They played, I mean, 96 points. That yeah. should get you in the playoffs. And, and I think they're a 90-ish point team. I just don't think they're an upper 90s point team. Do you think they're better than Colorado? Because they were last year. Yes, I do, actually. Ooh, let it I, I think I think they will, uh, I mean, they'll finish with a very similar amount of points, if not like one or two more. Yeah. I think they're both in that low 90s. Uh, Detroit. Remember Detroit being in the league? No. <laughs> Are they rebuilding? What, what's the status I, I of, I, thought, I, I mean, I know doing. they're rebuilding the city, thanks to Little Caesars <laughs> Arena, but I'm not so sure about the hockey team. I don't totally, I mean, if you watched hockey closely, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, Detroit was the team. When your team played Detroit, you feared how that game was going to go. And as somebody that's a Penguins fan that watched them lose to Detroit and won Stanley Cup in the beginning of next year, and somebody that covers the Coyotes and watched them have to run into Detroit in the first round a couple years when those are probably the best Coyotes teams we've seen, it's so weird to see them, A, now in the East, and B, just like a shell of what they used to be. It's very strange. Is there anybody on Detroit that you even get remotely excited about? Dylan Larkin. Yeah, Dylan Larkin. They've got a couple of good players. Anthony Mantha showed some I promise. Let, I can't quit Anthony I like Mantha. Ant-Man. You can't. Like, I'm, I'm waiting for Anthony Mantha to be a 40 goal. So I just can't do it. Tyler I can't Bertuzzi, quit Andreas, Greek last name that I never liked pronouncing. Yeah, oh, that's my favorite you. name to Double say. A. Andreas Athanasiu. But again, not not enough there. Um, you look at the contracts of guys like Abdelkader, Nielsen, Darren Helm, they're they're making good money. They're going to be on the books for a little while still, and arguably the worst blue line in hockey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a not a promising blue line. Only one more year of Jimmy Howard, unless they give him like five more years after that. But Man, remember when Peter Morazic was going to be the goaltender of the future to lead him back to prominence? No, remember that? No, not at all. Uh, finally, finally, and if we save the best for last, <laughs> oh, um, Ottawa. I know last year the famous quote is, hey, we're a team. Are they even a team anymore? Well, they have a player. They will be soon. They'll be <laughs> all in players. again for a five-year run of unparalleled success. Yeah. The team will spend close to the cap from 2021 to 25. LOL. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you look at the projected opening night lineup? I tried, the and then I decided to do something else more productive oh with my, my life. Oh, my God. <laughs> are you kidding me with they this lineup? are just an it's very bad disaster. They are... Arabanisimov is your number one center. I think my levels just spiked, didn't they? It's Probably. fine. I ruined it's the okay. show. No. But it's you, worth it It was for worth that. it in that case. It's worth it for that. That's like a reverse cowbell. It's... <laughs> I'm going real, to have a real hard time picking between Detroit and Ottawa for worst blue line. I, because Ottawa, well, that has would imply Shabbat, Ottawa has a blue line, but like I don't even think it matters. Well, they got Nikita Zaitsev, which is apparently their their 
sure. focus of the offseason was to get him. They replaced Cody Cece with another guy that's overpaid and can't defend. Yeah. Super. And they have an excellent shot at the number one overall pick, which by all counts well, seems to be, be Alexis Lafreniere, yeah, who's, who's a wing. Well, at least it won't be given to Colorado yeah. this time. really good wing, but... At least they know. haven't traded it away this year. Yeah, true. Um, all right, so we all agree Ottawa's winning the Cup in 2045. Were we willing to make that prediction? No. This team was a goal away from going to the Stanley Cup three seasons ago. And how many players are still on that team from then? None of the good ones. Yeah, that's true. The wrong ones are still there. I'm excited to see uh, the uh, the old Pacific Division group of Anthony Duclair, Bobby Ryan, and Mikael Botker tear it up this season All right, on let's, the wings let's, in Ottawa. Let's end this. Let's talk about Florida, shall we? All right. Now to talk about one of the more compelling teams in the Atlantic Division and really the uh, the NHL this season, the Florida Panthers, George Richards of The Athletic joining us now. George, thanks for the time. Uh, and I guess let's start with Joel Quenville. How much difference can a coach make with this team? Um, yeah, I, I think he can make quite the difference. I think just because um, when you look at, at the Panthers, um, you know, there's a little bit of you know, I'm not that. You know, Bob Bugner was here for two years, and and things clicked at times, but didn't click at other times. And I, I think that you know Joel Quinville just walks in here and you know can throw the rings on the table kind of thing, and and, and demands instant respect. And, and I think that guys are going to buy in a lot easier, um, knowing that the success that he has had in the past, um, and and his way works right. I mean, he won three championships in Chicago. He was an assistant in Colorado when they won the cup in '96. So I think that you know when you, when you're able to just seeing them at locker cleanout day back in April when when it was official that, that Joel Quinville was going to be the coach, just hearing the guys talk about you know what it was going to mean. I mean. It, it was pretty impressive, and I think that's going to be a real difference maker for this team. George, when you look at this roster, and, and there there are several talented players on it, was there an internal feeling that this team underachieved? No, oh, absolutely. I think they've probably underachieved the last three years. I mean, even two years ago when they, they missed the playoffs by a point, had they not dug themselves into such a huge hole at the beginning of the year, maybe they would have, you know, been a playoff team instead of missing it by a point. So uh, I think that they feel like the, the ownership, the management and everything, when you look at the the roster that's on this team, I mean, I, I cover this team. And even when I was in Columbus, people would come up to me and go, why, what, what is, what is up with this team? And you're like, I, I don't know. I mean, it, they've got all the talent in the world. Look at them on paper. It's a very talented team. Um, but something was missing. And the Panthers, one of the first things they did was they were like, you know what? We need to spend the money. We need to get the guy behind the bench. That guy was with Joel Quinville. Uh, lucky for them that he was available and was willing to come here. And, um, you know, definitely an underachieve. And, and, you know, when you look at the Panthers, you see that young core guys. There's, there's only, a, you know, they feel like the, the window is starting to close on this bunch. They need to win now. The last couple of years have been kind of wasting years, and now it's time for them to, to really make a jump forward. Yeah, along those same lines, how much pressure is there to win in the next three years when you have Barkov and Huberto on those very team-friendly deals? I, I think it's a, it's a tremendous amount of pressure. Um, it's, a, it's you know maybe a welcome pressure because I, I think when you, you a lot of people don't think of the Florida Panthers as a contender. They've only been to the playoffs you know two times since the two thousand. You know, they, they you know they they miss the playoffs much more than they make it. So, uh, for them to be kind of you know in the spotlight a little bit, um, not only nationally but maybe more importantly locally, um, is going to be real important for this team because you know right now you look at the South Florida sports landscape. There's not a whole lot of positives between the Dolphins, Marlins, Hurricanes, even the Miami Heat. Um, you know, so the, the Panthers have a real opportunity here. Uh, to get going early, you know, get some wins and, and maybe uh, draw some attention to themselves, and I think it would be welcomed for them. Uh, Sergey Bobrovsky, it, he was linked to the Panthers a lot last season. You get him for seven years, seventy million dollars, so that's quite the commitment. He's been one of the best goalies in the league now for the last uh, better part of a decade. But what does he mean to them, and, and how how concerned would you be about that much money tied up in that goalie spot? Well, obviously they did pay a lot of money for him, correct? I mean, just, you know, there was talk last, you know, even when, you know, two years ago that, that you know, when Bob's contract expired, he wanted, you know, Carey Price money. He wanted to to, uh, to exceed what Carey Price got in Montreal. 
And I think that you look at Montreal when Carey Price isn't there, um, that's a lot of money tied up into it. You know, the the, the, the Canadians just aren't aren't any good when when Carey Price is out, right? And they've got what eleven million dollars wrapped up in. So there is a concern there. Um, you know, he's just you know he's paid just under what Carey Price is getting, but still ten million dollars a year in your starting goalie um, is a lot of money, especially then you look at the seven year term. Um, but what the Panthers are getting is one of the best goalies in the league. I mean, he's three years removed from from one of the great seasons of all time in net. Uh, when he led Columbus to the to the playoffs and won his second Vezina. Um, one of the big weaknesses for the Panthers last year, they finished 12 points out of the playoffs, and, and they feel if they even had average goaltending, they would have been a playoff team last year. So now you bring in a guy like Bobrovsky who gives you, you know, over-the-top goaltending, Vezina-type goaltending. Um, they feel like that's going to be a huge difference maker and uh, just kind of plays in. The Panthers have usually had pretty good goaltending over the years, you know, dating back to day one with John Van Beesbrook through, you know, Thomas Vokun and Luongo, obviously. Um, so the Panthers feel like this is, you know, going to lead to success, being able to build from the goalie on out. And uh, Bobrovsky is as uh, good as they get. So the, the Panthers are excited about it. George, they got two of the big fish this offseason. We've talked about both of them in Bob and Joel Quenville. They didn't get Artemi Panarin. How much did that sting? How much of a difference would that have made? I think it would have been huge just for more of the off-the-ice kind of things, right? I mean, because, you, you know, in South Florida, the market, not only do you need to win, but you need stars. And Artemi Panarin is definitely a star, and he's a, he's a recognizable guy. Kind of a, you know, this, this, this town hasn't been buzzing about the Panthers since, you know, the Pavel Bure days, and he would bring in a, a Pavel Bure-type guy in bread. But, um, you know, that would have been a lot of money, right? I mean, you're talking about $23 million wrapped up, $22, $23 million wrapped up into two players. And uh, the Panthers are definitely a small market team. Uh, they're at the cap ceiling as it is. So I think that Dale Talon, had they been able to swing a deal for both of them, would have had to make some deals leading into it just to, to, to get under the cap. Um, they wouldn't have been able to improve some other things, but it, it would have been great to see you know a playmaker like Panera and a dynamic um, forward like him to be here. Um, but when you look at the way uh, Bobrovsky's contract is, is set up and the way that Panarin's contract is set up, uh, mostly, you know, almost, a lot, you know, especially Panarin's is, is all signing bonus. That's cash in his pocket. It, yeah, I, I don't know if they could have swung it. You know, they may not have been able to swing it for Panarin, but they do, they do still have stars on their teams, and one of them is Sasha mm-hmm. Barkov. He doesn't get the attention nationally he deserves. How much better is he when you get to see him on a daily basis? He is, um, he is, he is a legitimate top center in the league. I mean, and, and you, you're starting to hear more about him, right? I think he's starting to, to gain that traction uh, nationally. I think he's, he's in the sulky talk, um, you know, getting, getting a lot of votes for that. So he, his, his star is, is actually, you know, rising. I think Florida has known what they've had in, in Sasha Barkov the last couple of years, but, but people around the league, players especially know who he is whenever you – you talk to opposing players, he's the guy that, you know, they, they circle. That's the guy you got to watch. And uh, he's become a workhorse guy uh, early in his career. He had some injury stuff, that, that, you know, just little stuff. But, um, you know, he's been able to play a lot of games and, and he puts up points. And, and he's a guy you build around. I mean, you look at the Florida Panthers roster, there's a lot of young, young guys they call the core, you know. But Barkov is the guy. He's the, the, he's the son that everything rotates around. And, you know, as as far as, you know, the Panthers go, they're going to have to be led by Barkov. 96 points last year, set a franchise record. Um, he's only, you know, he's still young, very young, three years left on his contract. He's going to get a huge payday in about three years. Um, and it's, you know, it, it, it is fun to watch him every day because he just comes to work and does does everything you could ask of a player. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he's as underrated as, as we have said in the past because, you know, people have recognized what, what, what the Panthers have in Sasha Barkov. George, last thing for you, uh, you know, you, you can look at a, a few of the other moves that they made in the offseason, uh, bringing in a Brett mm-hmm. Connolly. Um, we're wondering what Owen Tippett's role is going to be on this team and how they feel about their forward depth. But overall, what's your thought? What's your thought on this team heading into the season? 
Well, I, I, I think that they're definitely a playoff contender. I, I think that they can um, – Tampa Bay is, is by far the, the best team in the Atlantic. I mean, we saw that last year. Uh, the Lightning just ran away with the division. And, um, you know, they made some moves this offseason to improve themselves. Um, I, I think Tampa Bay is, is the class of the Atlantic and of the Eastern Conference. But then you've got Toronto, you've got Boston, you've got Florida and, and Montreal, really. Um, the Atlantic's a pretty tough division. So it's going to be interesting to see how this works. But I think the Panthers can play with anyone. I think that they're, you know, with this, with this new energized bunch and, and you've got the coaching behind it, they're going to fix up some defensive mis- issues that they had last year. Um, and with Bobrovsky and that, I think this team could really challenge for one of the top three playoff positions in the Atlantic. Read his stuff on The Athletic. Florida should be one of the more entertaining teams this season. George Richards, at George Richards on Twitter. George, thanks for the time. Enjoy the season, all right? All right, thanks. Thanks, George. Uh, A couple things real quick before we wrap up. How many times did you want to reach for that bell when he was talking about Joel Quinto? It's painful. It's painful to think about and Dale Talon and, hey, we can keep going. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for bringing it up, though. I appreciate it. Eventually, Dylan Strome, when he gets good, I'm sure he'll be on his way to Florida, too. Okay. Sasha Barkov Sorry. did the... Uh, Reaching for my brown paper bag now. <laughs> Surprised you haven't had it closer to you all show. They're all calling it. Barkov did the... Uh, the Ether. We can't, we can't give you one of the other awards, but you had such a good season, we're going to give you something. So here's yeah. the Lady Bing. They did that. <laughs> so I can tell you, uh, Shane Doan on a number of occasions has said Barkov is like the guy in this league to watch. Uh, and it sort of goes along with what George was just saying right there. The players that play against him or with him know... The impact he has. Imagine if Artemi Panarin had ended up on this team and was playing with Barkov. I mean, who are your cup contender? Yeah, and just talk about price of admission to, yeah. to watch those two guys play together would have been like Huberto. What, yeah, Tip, <laughs> Owen Tippett's supposed to be a goal scorer. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah whoever you put on that line with him. But I, I think about the uh, the magic that Panarin and Patrick Kane had together when they were part of a team. Oh, there's the bell. But it, it's that kind of chemistry that you imagine, the the playmaking, just the high-end skill. That team's going to be so much fun to watch. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, we'll do listener questions next week. We'll roll them all over, and we're doing the Central next week? Correct. Does that sound right? Okay. For Jamie Eisner and Craig Morgan, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast. Yeah, Buffalo still sucks. <laughs>